Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Uh, looks like uh, looks like most everybody has gotten their coffee and they're ready to and ripping and roaring for this part five of Where's Your Bubble? I'm I'm so excited about it. I'm going to tell you. You know, one of the things about this message that really changed my life, and that I just I enjoyed so much about when I heard, you know, because I've heard messages about this, you know, in him realities and, you know, the basics of righteousness, that when we find out who we are in Christ Jesus and what he was trying to create us as and, and in the image of him, do you know that that gives me a lot more, um, it gives me more confidence, if you will, to be able to boldly go into the throne room of God. I mean, I got news for you. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, I boldly can go into my mom and dad's house. Why? Well, they're my parents. I mean, maybe not as much because, you know, you know, Charlie and Reba might, you know, beat me up, but I could go into their house too boldly, right? But what I want you to understand is when we're a part of a family, when you know that you have something in the family. And see, I think in our society today, I think that too often we see these issues. And, and I, I, will, I will tell you this, families have differing, um, well, did I use the word capabilities? Some families are really good, like my family is really good. I've had a really good childhood. I've had a really good, um, you know, I grew up in a family that was going to give me uh, a lot of leeway because I did a lot of stupid stuff. And because I did a lot of stupid stuff, you know, um, there was a lot of times where, you know, I basically said, hey, I need to, you know, I need to have some grace and mercy from my dad or my mom. But you know that in a good family, you're going to have that back and forth, right? And I do know in, in our society today, there are a lot of people that they don't have good families. Well, the thing is, the beauty of being in Jesus is that it is the best family. And that if you can get a hold of the promises of God and that you can boldly go into his throne room when you have a problem, then guess what? It doesn't matter what your upbringing was, where you came from, how bad it's been in your past. You can always know that the Father's will is to do you good. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue here. You know, I probably could just preach every single week about the goodness of God. I, I just, that's just something that it just, okay, Dusty, keep moving. You got to keep going. All right. So we are on part five and we are talking about, so we were made in the image of God. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. So whatever you, whatever you think of yourself, hey, I look in the mirror, I see in the mirror that I have a nose and eyes. Well, that's not who you truly are. You may go, well, well, yeah, that's who I truly am. I, I've got this place that I want to get rid of. I would like to, I'd like to, to, to make myself look better. I'm, I'm on a diet and I'm going to lose weight. Well, you know what? The thing is, is that um, we all 
can make our, our body look better, but that's not who we truly are. Who we truly are is the person that's on the inside of us. And see, when I have the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me, the Spirit of God Himself, He makes me a new person. So my, my soul, my mind, will, and emotions, they've changed. When I was young and I didn't have the Spirit of God, I'd not accepted Jesus Christ, I'd, I was not living by the truth of God's Word, what happened was is I was a different person. I was what everybody is that does not have Jesus. I was in to myself. And you know what? I had a different personality. You know, some people say, you know, Jesus just changed me. You know, I'm a different person than I once was. You are right. Because when you're left to just yourself and you don't have the Spirit of God, the connected Spirit of God, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... All you are left to is your own devices. And your own devices say, gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I need myself to be, to be elevated. And so, you know, just like this body that we see here, and I said, hey, we're not really this body. We're kind of this soul and this spirit. Well, I'll give you an example of that. If you came by here, drove down first first uh, street down here and you saw my my red dodge suv out here what would everybody think where's dusty he's at the church but am i the red dodge durango out here no that is a semblance that says dusty's there well, my body is the thing that walks around. You guys see it? Everything's functional. I smell, I see, I hear, I taste, and I feel things. But my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions is what most people know. Heather and I have been married for almost 25 years now. There's lots of things that if I say something, she's going to go, that doesn't sound like you. Now, did my body change because I said something weird or that I acted weird? Absolutely not. No, because the true person that's on the inside of us is our spirit and our soul. And our body is the, is the thing that moves us around. It gets us from point A to point B. Sometimes I wished I could trade it in for a new model, but I can't. But see, our true understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus is, has nothing to do with whether or not when I got saved that I got skinnier. Because if that was the case, then I wouldn't be saved. It would be a work that I would have had to have done in order to have become skinnier. No, we were changed on the inside. We were made into the image of God. God is a spirit and we worship him in spirit and truth. We have a spirit on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have been done away with and behold there is a new. So our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, they're the thing that constantly we're having to renew our mind by the word of God, which is Romans 12. 12 1, 2, 3 says is that we have to renew our mind by the, by the word. So what I want you to understand here is that if your soul, and this is what we're going to talk about today, if your soul is out of whack, 
then it needs to be in the plumb line of, of our, the will and your emotions need to be in the plumb line of the truth. See, our emotions are a catalyst. We talked about this last week. Our emotions are a catalyst for where our will goes. See, I can actually, I can get, you know, I can see something. Like, let's just say for an example, I had not seen my wife in weeks or months. And, and let's just say that I was on some sort of, I was in the military, okay? And I was within 500 miles of my wife. And I was like determined because I loved her and I had this longing for her. That I was gonna, I was gonna find a way to get 500 miles to be able to just see her. Do you know that those emotions are so strong? I've seen people flip out, go completely nuts over emotions, and their will is just out of control. Do you know that? Do you know that emotions are so strong, they can pull your will into places that you can't get out of without really having some help. A lot of people think that drugs and alcohol and all that is based upon just a, just a, you know, just the, the alcohol was a chemical imbalance, the, the drug was a chemical imbalance. No. What happens the first time you start taking away drugs? People flip out, right? They get into depression and, and everything. That is, a, that is a part of our emotions. We get scared we start having worry. We start having anxiety. And see, that's what you have to understand is, yes, there's a chemical imbalance, but your emotions are what really kicks in in that, in that moment. If I can't have what I want, then now I'm going to go nuts. How many, people's, how many people's done that? I remember a couple of years ago, there was something I really wanted to do. We were actually kind of joking about this the other day uh, about going out to eat I will give my family an opportunity like hey we're going to go out to eat today do you want to go to fish market do you want to go to nukes do you want to and I start naming off all these places and Heather reserves the right to make a suggestion and then change it halfway halfway there but do you know that I have been there where it was like, I really want a steak today. I mean, I really want a steak. And I said, when you know, people are like, oh, I don't really want to go to the steakhouse. I don't really want to do that. And I remember just sitting there going, I'm dad and we're going to the steakhouse. I'm paying. It's happening. Do you know that I had a come apart moment. It was like, you're not changing what I'm going to eat today. Because it was so powerful to me at the moment. I was like, I've got to have a steak today. It's going to happen. I don't care who I have to run over to get it. And I did. I ran over my family because they're all like, well, I don't really know. You know, that, that doesn't happen too often. But when it does, you're like, what's wrong with me? Later on, you're like, I can't believe I acted like that. It was because your emotions drug your will into a place that it was a free-for-all. You were so just tied up. Oh, I've got to have what I need, and, and if I don't get it, I'm going to really show my rear end. Do you know that 
that this is one of the reasons why I believe that our soul can't prosper if we don't line our will up with the truth. If we line up our emotions with our will all the time, then guess what you're going to get? You're going to be on a roller coaster of a life. It's going to be down and up and down and up and down and up. And it's going to happen over and over and over again for you. But if you have the, the plumb line of truth that is inside of you, you know, sometimes that happens to me. My emotions start getting all worked up and I'm like, I really want to do this. And nobody else wants to do it, so I'm going to manipulate it. I'm going to try to figure out how we can get there. And you know what the truth comes in and tells me by the Holy Spirit? It goes, you're being an idiot. <laughs> and I go, I know I'm being an idiot. I don't care. And you know what? I have to either, my will has to either go towards the truth or just be led by my emotions. And if my emotions are, are what take over, well, you better watch out. Because it's a bad day for someone. Because it's already been a bad day for me. Do you know that most people who live in a constant emotional wreckage, that they have no peace. And where there is no peace, then there is no truth. There is no love. There is nothing. You're completely and totally just closed off to yourself. No one loves me. No one cares for me. And see, that's what I'm wanting everybody to understand here is that if we allow our mind, will, and emotions to be led around by, by those things that are in the world, oh, I've got to have a steak today. Or, hey, I'll, I'll give you a good one. You know, hey, after church, we're going we're gonna to drive over to, you know, my family at least is going to drive over here to the... Um, a life of faith and we're going to go eat well the first thing my mind goes to is it goes it's going to be cold uh, where am I going to sit am I going to have a glass of tea because you know what I can't have a meal without a glass of tea I mean it just doesn't work so I mean there's all these things that my mind starts going I don't know if this is going to be good and you know what Sometimes we have to step out and let truth reign in our lives. Because we can't always have everything the way we want it. We can't always have the things that we, that we see. Sometimes we have to go and say, what is best for others? So I'm going to kind of move on from here. But I want you to understand that our soul is the seed of our feelings, desires, and affections. And if we put the truth in our mind, then we get to renew that mind. And when we renew that mind, our will can, if we allow it to, go after truth and not our emotional state. So we're going to talk a little bit more about emotions. Last week, we, we kind of got into this. I didn't, this is a really big one because emotions are just, you know, it is the catalyst for a lot of different things that happens. You know, I was actually talking to a guy, you know, I've been so caught up in the Holy Spirit, I've had emotions. You know, we've, we, we've been in Pentecostal churches and Pentecostal situations. Do you know that, that, the, that there's nothing wrong with emotions? 
And we see people who get into emotional states, even under the Holy Spirit. And they're great and they're good. But I've also seen people get so emotionally distraught in the Holy Spirit that now they're like in some sort of, they've, they've come back over here to the flesh. And see, what we have to understand is that God says, hey, the truth is the truth, and we have to, to have the dividing line even in his own, even when we have relationship with him. We can't have imbalance in anything. Because there are times in our life where we want to be caught up in the Holy Ghost. And those are good times. But you know, I know people who follow around looking for another Brownsville revival or an Azusa Street or one of these other type of revivals and they still have not gotten themselves into church. Well, they don't, they don't do the, the Brownsville thing at Identity Church. Well, you know what? If the Holy Spirit moved and said, hey, we're going to do five hours worth of praise and worship, guess what? It would be something that everybody would be into because the Holy Spirit would be into it. But so far, the Holy Spirit has not said do that. But I've talked to some of these people and they want the feeling and the emotion and the, and the, the way that that felt back in those days. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I remember some of those days and I thought they were great. But there is a time where I got to live my life. See, our will and our emotions can be in a good place when we think, hey, I'm just wanting more of God. But you know what? You also have to live in the world. So we have to balance everything with the trust and the truth of God's word. So we're going to talk about good and bad emotions. So happy in the Greek is makarios, and it means supremely blessed, by extension fortunate or well off. And in Romans 14, it says, Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. This word condemn right here is, is a Greek word for not fit for use. So this is the thing. Most of the time, God will say, Hey, I want you to believe something. I want, you to, I want you to have some, some understanding about where I want to take you. And you know what's going to happen? God's going to, God's going to put you in places and you're going to say, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if I'm good enough to be able to do this. And see, we start doubting his word a little bit like what Adam and Eve did about his word. And see, what we have to understand is that, you know, our words and actions basically can, you know, we can get into a place to where we're condemning ourselves. And if we condemn ourselves, we can keep ourselves from doing the things that God wants us to do. We can, we can condemn ourselves so much that we don't take that extra step to even do the worldly things. Hey, I need to get another job. I, I need to step out and, and ask somebody on a date. Or, hey, we're going to have kids. You know, one of the things that everybody kept telling us, and there was this one person in particular, we were talking about this the other day, this one person in particular told us, until you can put $500 a month in savings, 
you shouldn't have kids. I don't know if I can do that today. And I got a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old. See, that's what you have to understand is the fact that sometimes you just got to step out and trust God. Sometimes you got to step out and say, you know what, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what this is about to bring. But you've said in your word that you want me to be prosperous and multiply. And you want me to, to go on and go forth that you'll supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know what? All the naysayers will go, well, I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if you'll be able to do that. Well, you know what? The naysayers come along and they, they've got what they, they consider to be, you know, their view of, of how you should live your life. But you know what? A lot of times, my big problem is my naysaying. My naysaying has been the worst problem in my life. The ability for me to go, you know what? I just don't know if I'm cut out for that. And God's going, well, you know, I wouldn't have asked you to do it if you couldn't do it. You know, I think that's a lesson that we got to take away today. You know, if God's wanting you to do something, you see it in his word, you are cut out to do it. You, my friends, are cut out because he has created you for such a time. You know, my kids came to me and said, or especially my, my daughter Kaylee, said, you know, do, do I need to have kids? I know Caleb and I have had this conversation too. You know, the world's so bad. Do I need to have kids? Yes, more now than ever. We need to have kids. We need to, to impart into our children the things that we know to be the truth because they're going to be the generation that's going to get us out of this junk. That's what we need. And if we don't, if we just go, no, you know what, I'm going to leave that to someone else because I just don't think it's the right time. I don't think it's the right place. Oh, it would be so awful to bring kids up. Do you know what? This one here, your kids, your grandchildren, with the word of God, they will change the world. This is the time. This is the only time that you ever will have time. So you were created for such a time as this. And your time's not up. If you, th you know what, I think too often we say, well, you know what, that would have been great if I, I, Lord, you talked to me about that 20 years ago. Or maybe if I just looked different, or maybe if I had a different job, or maybe, you know what, that's you condemning yourself. You know, if we agree with truth, then we live in faith. In Romans 8, 1, it says, there is now no, no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if the Spirit is saying, go do, but the flesh goes, it's so bad out here. There's so many things coming against me. Guess what? Which one are you going to listen to? Which one are you going to do? Are you going to condemn yourself? Because there is no more condemnation from God. He's not condemning you. He's telling you go and do. But are you? Are you going to do? Are you going to take the step? Are you going to say, I just don't know if I have the, what it takes? Well, you know what? You just don't believe God. 
Because his word tells you exactly that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. So whatever God's telling you to do, don't try to, don't try to talk him out of it. I've tried to talk God out of a lot of things. I tried to talk God out of being a pastor. I mean, you see this ring on my hand? I look, do, do you know why I have this ring? It's because I have a master's degree in computer engineering. And y'all may be going, well, that's, that's fine. Why? Why do you even care? Well, it's because I didn't even graduate high school. And see, I thought God was calling me to do that. Oh, I, I made it through all these different things. And God, you've, you've created in me this new heart to be able to do the things that you've called me to do. And then after 2011, when I finished up this degree... And I work for a great company and I I do cybersecurity for them and it's awesome and it's great and I bought the ring and every time I look at the ring I think about where God took me from and brought me to. Because, hey, in order to get a master's degree you got to overcome everything that I couldn't do in high school tenfold. College was way harder than high school and I was able to do it through Christ Jesus. I could do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. That was my banner. That was the thing that I went after. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that when God himself told me to go and do that, I thought it was too much. So he took me down a path. Well, after I got done with that, and I thought, I've arrived. I know what I'm going to do now, and I'm going to do this. He said, now go to Bible school. No. No, Lord. Maybe go get a doctorate in computer engineering. That might be okay. But why would I need to go to Bible school? That's not even what you've had me to do for the last 20 years of my life. And see, the Lord said, just go to Bible school. And the whole time I was telling you about my buddy, Jason, I would come in, I would tell him during Bible school, I'd be like, you know, I got all these great revelations and the Lord's really showing me stuff. And he said, yeah. He goes, God's got a really good plan for you. See, Jason sent me a text this morning and was telling me what a blessing and a great mentor and all this type of stuff I've been to him. But you know what? He kept saying, you know what? The Lord's got something for you that you're not going to want to accept, but it's going to be your future. And I would go, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's right, sure. But you know what? After five years, from 2011 all the way until 2015 when I started school, you know, the Lord just kept expanding my heart. And now I want to be a pastor. It took me 10 years. It took me longer, really. But the Lord prepares us, and he gives us one step at a time. And every time we can say no, But you know what? It's so much better when you say yes. In 1 Peter 3, 14, it says, But, and if you suffer, this word suffer all over the Bible, when you see the word suffer in the New Testament, it means, it's the word pasitia, and it means feelings or emotions. This doesn't mean, oh, I got stripes on my back and I'm hurting. Now, pain, you know, Certain types of anguish could fall into here as well. But for the most part, this means an emotional state of feeling. 
And so it says, but if ye, but if ye have emotions for righteous sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. What I want you to understand here is that righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it just means you have right standing. Do you know that you're going to go through your life where people are going to go, oh, you're one of those Christians? Oh, you believe you're in right standing. So I'm a sinner and you're not. Yeah, that's pretty much what's, what's going down here. Is that after I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He washed away my sins. Was I a sinner? Absolutely. I was saved by grace. And then after I was saved by grace, I was brought into the family. And now I no longer have to worry about those sins. Whoa, that just sounds like you're, you know, you're haughty. Sounds like you're, you know, you're, you don't understand that there's all these bad things going on in the world. Oh, I understand. And do I sin? Absolutely. But I have it under the blood. And every single time the Lord says, hey, that's a sin, I go, yes, Lord, let me repent. I'm on the wrong path. I'm going to turn and go back to the right one. See, that's what we have to understand about. We're going to have emotions about our righteousness. We're going to have emotions about what God has said in our life. And some people are not going to like it. Some people are going to go, well, you, you know, you're still a sinner. Well, that's not what the Word said. The Word says that I'm now a son. See, I want you to understand something. A sinner is what an unbeliever is. And a son and a daughter is what a believer is. So if I'm a believer, it would be just like if somebody said, are you righteous? Well, that's like my last name. I want you to understand this. I'm a Cornelius. My last name's Cornelius. My dad and mom are here today. I I'm in the family, right? But when somebody says, who are you? Well, I'm righteous. I don't think y'all are getting this. And I, I don't know how to explain it any better. You, when you got accepted into the family, they wrote a last name on you and it was called righteous. You are the righteousness of of God in Christ Jesus. That was a title that was put onto your life. So from this point on, forever, you are going to go around and somebody's going to go, well, are you righteous? Yeah, that's my last name. That's, that's who I am. Well, you're, you haughty, good for nothing, sorry. Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible said about me, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus means that he put this title on me and that I, no matter what I do, you know, the God sits, goes, hey, I'm not going to condemn you, but I'm going to tell you, you got to change when something happens. I'm putting a new name on you. I'm making it to where you no longer are just a sinner. Because that was the title that they put on everybody. See, but when now it's dusty, are you righteous? Yeah, that's my name. That's who I am in Christ Jesus. And what I want you to understand is that whenever you live in a different dispensation, then guess what? You're going to live by what people say about you. You know, people bring terror 
every single day. I have people I have people at work that tell me about bad things that are happening. I see bad things that happen. I watch the news sometimes where I probably should not. And I see bad things that happen. I see social media and bad things are happening. But you know what? To be righteous is to be in the right standing of God. And I go, it doesn't matter what's happening out here. It doesn't matter where I'm going. This is who I am, is I am righteous. And I stand in the office of righteousness. The right standingness in the family. You know, our bad emotions are not the problem. It's just a symptom of the world system that we have allowed to take over. We don't know who we are sometimes. Sometimes people try to take away our righteousness. Now, 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 let me, you got righteousness written on your chest. I'm going to try to wipe that off of you. I'm going to tell you how bad everything's going to be. I'm going to tell you how bad you are. I'm going to tell you how bad it's going to get. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I remember who I am, then I have the righteousness. I'm in the family. So I'm going to hit a couple more of these, um, you know, I'm going to hit a couple more of these good, um, good emotions here that, that Jesus was talking about. And what we have to understand is that during Jesus' time in Matthew chapter 5, he did not have the new covenant yet. He was in this old covenant time frame. And it was before he went to the cross. So he is talking about what we're at, our dispensation, where we can go to, how we are. So when you see things like Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, we have to understand that we have this in us through Christ. Okay? And I'm going to hit these really quick, I promise. I know I say that, y'all say you're a liar, Dusty, but I'm going to try to go through this, okay? I feel like the more I teach on this, the more that it's just like I can't get it out. Let me, Lord, quit giving me stuff to say. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed, it's the same word, makarios. It means, it means supremely blessed, by extension fortunate, well off. Verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They didn't have the kingdom of God. There was no covenant at that point in time for people to accept Jesus Christ. So they couldn't be a part of the family, but he's saying it's coming. Everybody hold your horses. I'm going to go to the cross. It's going to happen. And then you're going to be able to partake into this kingdom of heaven. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know what? This word mourn has the same connotation as that there's always something that is affecting me. What you have to understand is, is, that, is that everybody before Jesus Christ had nothing to make them happy. But see, Jesus was coming he had come and he was going to the cross in order to create an opportunity for people to be in the family. And if you're in the family, then you could be comforted. You know, I mourn because I see some people that have left me. They went to, they went to on to be with Jesus. Great for them, bad for me. 
And you know what? My selfishness says, I want them back here. I want, to, I want them to be here to help me. I want them to be with me. But you know what? The truth is, is that the comfort is that they're in heaven with Jesus. You know, if somebody dies and they know Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, we should be throwing a party. In fact, we should be lining up and saying, where's the next bus? Because that's where I'm, I'm really getting to the point to where I start seeing, you know, death <clears throat> causes the people here on earth to mourn. Because of their inability to go, I'm going to release them because I know they're going on to a better place. <coughs> okay, Dusty, I just heard, got to keep moving. Okay, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Goes without saying. You know, I find out more and more that people who are meek, and this is not like you get land, but the people who are meek are the people who actually inherit people, souls, the world. You know, I find more people that are, that are evangelists not the ones that you see on TV a lot, but the people who I actually see that go to the street, they become meek to the world. And so they just inherit all of those people into the kingdom. And they just bring them into the fold in such a way that is so awesome. Verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hey, at this point in time, you could not be in right standing with God. Even the people who were being sacrificed for at that point, they might walk out of the temple and bump into somebody that was unclean. Now they had to go back into the temple. You know, I, I think there should be like some sort of like a comedic act where somebody goes in, they like sacrifice a bull, they walk outside, there's an unclean person, they walk back in, they sacrifice another bull, and then it's like, well, I need like 15 chickens because they ran out of bulls. To me, that was the way that it kind of worked, was they all walked around going, I can't dirty myself up because I'll have to go kill something. And you know what? The beauty of this is, is that the righteousness of God came through Jesus Christ. We are clean because of one sacrifice. Jesus himself on the cross. His blood on the mercy seat. Now we don't, you know, we bump into people who are unrighteous and we just go, well, let me bless you. I'm not having to worry about what you did to me. Oh, I, I bring the blessing with me. I, I make you more righteous because I'm around. Do you know that you make people more righteous because you're around? See, this is why the world needs you. Is because when you walk into a place, you are bringing the righteousness with you. You're bringing the kingdom into that situation. You are bringing peace. You're bringing joy, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith. You're bringing it to people who say, I don't know what that is. But they see you and they know it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy. You know, I always think about, you know, um, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men given your bosom with the same measure you meet, shall be measured unto you again. How many people think that that's just a, a money scripture? How many, 
come on, guys. Most people have heard those scriptures and said, that's a money scripture. What you, what you doing talking about a money scripture? I don't know if you've actually read that scripture, but how can you give the same measure given back to you? That'd be like if I walked up to Steve and said, here's my iPhone, now give it back to me. It doesn't say that I'm giving something and it be multiplied. See, what it's saying here is that when I give unto men of myself, they will give back unto me of themselves. The same measure that I meet to them shall be measured unto me again of themselves. It means that the mercy, that their, their grace, their gifts, all of those things, when I give unto someone, if I give them the fullness of here's my basket of who Dusty is and I give it out to everybody that's in here, well, you're going to give back the same measure of who you are. And you know what? That's what makes us a family. That's what makes our interaction with people. Do you know that sometimes even with sinners, you go up and you start giving into them of yourselves. What are you going to get back? You start getting their goodness back. Sometimes they don't act good all the time. Most of the time. And you'll go and you'll, you'll give of yourself unbegrudgingly. Oh, here's, here's all that I can put in my basket and I give it to you. You know what? I have a lot of people that when you give of yourself fully, they come right back to you and say, oh, I'm going to be good to that guy. You know how I've seen that? Is because I'll walk into a room and they'll be using, son of a biscuit eater. You know, you blankety, blankety, blankety. And then the moment I walk in, they change their tune. Now, was that because of my righteousness? Was that because of my, my paralysis or, or whatever? No, it's because I had given in to them. They knew who I was and they want to give back of the same measure of goodness that they had from me. See, that's what I want you to understand here is that when you give mercy, you're going to get the same amount of mercy. God is constantly putting people in your place to where you give this mercy, they give it back, and then the next thing you know, hey, I've got, a, I've got the ability to speak to them about Jesus because I gave them the goodness of God and they gave every bit of goodness back to me that they had in them. See, that's how we build this world that is, goes beyond just the world system, that we build the kingdom is that when we start putting the kingdom into people, the kingdom starts coming back out of them. Amen. Keep moving, Dusty. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. Our heart is our belief system. The more that we believe, the more we see God. I'm going to say it again. The more that God is in my heart, the more I believe, the more I see him doing good things. I have people tell me all the time, God's never been good to me. And I'll point out all the good things that have happened in their life. And they go, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if that was God. Well, you know what? The more I believe it, the more I see it, the more I know that I saw God. See, they're seeing less of God. They're believing less. And so even when God does something good for them, they don't even see him in it. 
Keep moving, Dusty. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Do you know that there's a lot of times where if you bring peace into a situation, people are going to look at you and they're going to say, Ah, man, Steve, every time he comes in here, he just, he just brings this peace. What, what is it, Steve? What, why are you so peaceful? Why is it so peaceful when you come in? And Steve goes, I'm just living through Jesus. You know what? They're going to see God. They're going to see, they're going to see the things that, that make you peaceful. And they'll go, oh, that's one of those Christians. It's just another term for the son of God. Sons and daughters of God are because you are a peacemaker and you bring it into our reality. Say, keep moving, Dusty. <laughs> Blessed are those who persecute for righteousness. Say, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know what? We're going to get persecuted because of our right standing on God. I've already said this. The moment you say you're a Christian, the moment that, that they find out about it, there's going to be some people that's going to come against you. It's just the way it is. I can't help it there. Blessed are you who, when they are reviled and, and they persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You know what? I'm happy to know that Jesus lives on the inside of me and that I don't have to, that, you know what? They can say whatever they want to say about me. They can do whatever they want to do. Because every single time that's ever happened that they've, I've had somebody come against me because of righteousness sake, I've always been found out to be true. I've always been found out to be right. And I've always been promoted. Have I, have I ever had a demotion because of something like this? Absolutely. Have I also, have I been left out because of some of these things? Absolutely. Did I want to be there in the first place? Probably not. You know, there's lots of things I missed out on in my life because of the righteousness of God being in the family that probably, you know, it was a good thing that I missed out on them. Well, they didn't invite me to that party. I don't know if I wanted to be at the party. Do you know that being in the family sometimes means that you don't get invited, but you know what I found out is that when it comes to you, they're the first person that they think about when something goes wrong. And it starts coming back to all of this, that they themselves, the people who will persecute you and revile you, they're the ones that's going to come find you when something goes wrong. I've seen it happen over and over and over in my life. So I've got a few minutes here. I am going to get into the humility of God. But I wanted everybody to understand that when you bring these emotions into bear of what they truly are, that really being happy your true emotions of happiness is when the truth and your will line up together. When truth and your will line up together, there's only one emotion you have, happiness. When the truth and your will line up together like that plumb line, then guess what? Happiness and blessedness is all that you have. See, when my emotions start dragging my will, then I get to have all range of emotions. 
See, that's what's so beautiful about the emotions of God is that I can be in the midst of the worst situation in my physical body, but if I allow truth and the will of God to line up with each other, all I have is happiness. I was listening to a guy on uh, Andrew Womack thing a while back. Um, Andrew Womack is, a for those that don't know, he's the minister that started the Bible college I went to, but he also ministers all over the world. Anyway, he was talking about a guy who had, his wife had cancer. And he walked up and, and, and he was talking to this guy and, and his wife actually passed away. But throughout that whole situation, he would walk up to the guy and he would say, well, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm blessed. And you know what? He actually had people come against him and go, well, your wife is sick. Why are you blessed? Your wife is sick. Why, why are you so happy? Well, you know what? He actually got to spend the last days of her life being happy and blessed. And they did things. And they didn't cry all the time. And they got to live life. Do you know that that's, that's more important than sitting around and worrying and being like, well, I'm just going to drain the last bit of life out of you. Do you know that she was putting life out into him? She was telling him, this, your life is going to be blessed. You're going to go on and there's going to be more. Do you know that this is, a, this is a truth that doesn't have to happen for just the, the special super dupers? Those people who, who are called and, you know, to the ministry. You know, you can live your life every single day like this. That it doesn't matter if you lose your job, you lose your, you, your dog dies, somebody steals your truck. You know, a good country song can be happening to you. <laughs> and you actually go, hey... I still am happy. <clears throat> you know that the greatest thing that Jesus has ever done for me is that he's made me the same. I don't, I don't go up and down and up and down and up and down anymore in my life. Now, did that all come at one time? No. I still have emotions and I still have a will. And I still have my spirit on one side and I have my body on the other side. And sometimes I can get over there and say, by golly, I want my steak. And we're going to do that today. And I don't care who I hurt. But you know what? More often than not in my life, the longer that I allow the spirit of God to be in me and through me, and I put my mind, will, and emotions on him, I don't have those outbreaks the way that I used to. It's a, it's a consistent thing in my life. I have consistency in my life. I'm happy. I actually think consistency a lot of times equals happy. Because if I have consistency in my life to where I feel consistently blessed, I live consistently blessed, I don't have to I'm not looking for the next big thing. Like, I'm not sitting here if, if everybody goes on vacation tomorrow and I'm the only one here and I'm, and I'm preaching to Heather. Well, you know, there was a time in my life I would say, well, I'm failing. No, consistency. 
you know what, God, I'm here for the people. It's not here. Y'all are not here to make me feel better. I mean, how many people in here came to make me feel better today? I mean, did you show up to say, well, you know what? Oh, Dad did. Dad said he showed up just to make me feel better. But you know what? I, I've, I literally know people who are in the ministry that they get down when people don't show up. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is consistency. I'm here for you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit some of these things about humility because I think that I can get through this real quick. Is Dusty line? I don't know. We'll see. So, so I'm going to hit Colossians 2.18 here because, you know, humility is believing what God says about you. Truth is humility. And see, in Colossians 2.18, it says, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which uh, he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So what I want you to understand in this, in this verse right here is that I can have false humility. I can have this humility that says, you know what, I don't believe what the Word says. I believe what somebody else is telling me. So they, they had people who were worshiping angels. They had people that were worshiping really demons, if you want to know the truth about it. And what they were doing is they were creating this vain and puffed up mindset. They were changing the truth of God and putting it into people's hearts. And now they had a false sense of who they were. They had a false sense of who God was. So in verse 20 it says, Therefore, if you died with Christ... From the basic principles of the world, why as, why as though you lived in the world, do, your, do you subject yourself to regulation? Do not touch, do not taste, and do not handle, which is, which is all concerning things which perish uh, with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have I the appearance of wisdom in self-imposed um, religion and false humility. I'm going to stop right there. Essentially what he's saying is that vain philosophy, if you go back and read Colossians, Colossians was trying to do away with philosophy. Colossians people were in the middle of the Greek philosophy of the time. They were literally philosophers everywhere. And they would say, oh, I want to hear about Jesus. And they would talk about it. And then they would try to philosophize how Jesus fit into to their understanding of their gods. Because they were perfectly fine with having 500, 1,000, a million gods. It didn't matter to them. In fact, Paul actually in the book of Acts went to Mars Hill and he pointed out the God that to all the unknown gods. And so he started using that. And they were like, oh, we would like to hear more about that God. Well, later on, he said, you know what? I went back to them with the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, because if I just gave them vain philosophy, then guess what? Then there was no humility in it because there wasn't any truth. See, vain philosophy says, I'm going to try to find agreement. I'm not going to have truth with you. I'm going to have agreement. 
That's why discord always comes down to compromise. See, what we have to understand is, is that the truth is the truth. And if it is not the truth, then we've got to get rid of it. And it says here, it says, These things indeed having the appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion and false humility and neglect of the body, talking about the body of Christ, but we are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. See, false humility is just saying, I don't believe what God's word is. It's the opposite of truth. See, true humility says, I humble myself to God and his word. And if God's word's not good enough, then you're not in humility. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your to elders. Yes, all of you, but submit to one another. So all these people who say, well, you know, I'm supposed to submit to the elder. Well, the elder is supposed to submit to you too. It says, yea, all, and be clothed in humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace, gifts, inheritance to the humble. Do you know that resistance means that God is sitting back going, don't go touch that. But you could resist God and go do it. God doesn't say, hey, I'm holding you back. It just says, hey, I, I, it's like, how many people had the, the, the parent uh, seatbelt when you were a kid? You're riding down the road and all of a sudden somebody pulls out in front of you and it's like, ah! Well, do you know that that's resistance, but that's not buckled in? I mean, your mom may be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and have like the biggest arms on the planet, but if you hit someone, you're going through the windshield. See, God says, I'm just resisting people who, who don't have humility because they need to learn the truth first. If they don't know the truth, then they need to know truth. And sometimes I can hold them back enough to where I can get the word in them. See, I want you to understand is that if you don't believe God's word for your life, and his promises for your life, then you will never humble yourself to his word. You will always go and do the opposite of what he's asking you to do. And I've known plenty of Christians, plenty of Christians, not people who are unsaved, Christians that go, you know, I know God's word says that, but... Just like I said a couple of weeks ago, everybody has a butt and it stinks. So if you get your butt out of the way and just believe his word, then you are one humble sucker. In fact, we're going to find out somebody who was so humble that he actually didn't even look humble. False humility is, is things like this. Uh, if somebody walked up and said, Dusty, you play guitar so beautifully. Oh, you sing so beautifully. You preach so awesomely. And I said, oh, but it's not me. It's the Lord that does this. It's the Lord that has given me these gifts. Do you know that that's not humility? I know that's what's been taught to us. <coughs> you know, it's been taught to us, don't, you know, don't take credit. Don't do all that. that that's not humility. Do you know that, that for me... To say what God says about me is truly humble. So if the Lord said, 
I've called you and anointed you to be a, a pastor and you walk up and say, I've gotten so much out of what you've said. I'm going to go, thank you. That really blesses me. Thank you very much. I'm not going to go, oh, but the Lord, He's done it. Yes, He's done it. But He did it to me. He's told me to go do that. And see, I'm going to show you somebody that He told to go do some stuff. And they had one sense they were in that false humility. Lord, I can't do it. Can't do it. In fact, in Numbers chapter 12, we find out that this person later on, he has so much humility, he sounds like he's a jerk. Okay? It says in Romans 12, 1, it says, And then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. For he had married this Ethiopian woman. So, so they said, Has the Lord indeed spoke only through Moses? He has spoken through us also. And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Man, the writer of Numbers, you know, he, he knew Moses. And he, he was like, he's one humble dude. Who wrote numbers? Moses wrote numbers. So Moses himself said, I'm the most humble person on the planet. Do you know why he said that? Because essentially he had, he had learned his lesson by this point. That whatever God says about him, he's just going to believe it and go on. He's not even going to worry about the consequences or anything else. Like, like he did before. And oh yeah, he did before. And he almost didn't do the things that he was supposed to do. In fact, in Exodus 3, 10 through 12, it says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Moses. Talking of God to, to Moses. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, uh, or out of Egypt. And it says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of, of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I certainly will be with you and I shall, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought them out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. He did everything for Moses. Moses walked in told Pharaoh all these things, and I'm pretty sure Moses was like, here's a, my stick, it turns into a snake. And then, you know, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to hit the water and it's going to turn into blood. We're going to have locusts and, and frogs and all these other things. You know, after you've lived out some, some times with somebody, you can trust them. See, that's one of the reasons why before the service, the Lord's really been putting this on my heart about Respect, trust, and relationship. It's because you have to earn it. And Moses earned it big time. Because the first time he went in there, he was probably scared. The second time he went in there, and after he saw the miracles, he was probably like, hey, this is starting to get a little easier. By the time he got into like the ninth plague and he's over there, and he's about to part the Red Sea... He didn't even, like everybody else is freaking out. They come up to the Red Sea. Moses goes, uh, 
God's going to take care of us. See, he went from, I can't do this, Lord, to, yeah, whatever God says, go ahead, Miriam and Aaron, go ahead and turn Israel against me because I know who God is and what he said. I'm just humble. I'm more humble than all of y'all. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to let, if, if they kill me, God's word still has to come to pass. You know, they stoned Paul and God wasn't done with him and he raised up from the dead and walked back into the town and preached again. See, when we believe what God's word is about our life, we will, we will do what God's word says. See, that's the beauty of this is that <clears throat> if we agree with the world, oh yeah, I'm just not good enough then we're, we're not humble. But if we agree with God and we just keep moving, hey, every single time God has come through, I'm just going to keep moving. I'm just going to keep moving. Next time he tells me to do something, oh, we got we to gotta go find a building. Oh, hey, one of these days we're going to outgrow this building. And the Lord's going to have to go, okay, it's time to go. And I could go, well, no, I mean, we might have... Five services a day. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of, whoa, don't do that. But see, there will be a point to where in all of our lives, God says, that's enough. You got to move on. You got to go beyond where you're at. And see, humility says, I believe you. So, okay, let's just do it. And the more I believe you, the more I see. And the more that I see, the more that I do. You may go, well, faith is not about seeing. I got news for you. The first time you step out and you step out on the, you, you step out and you're still standing, you just saw something. Come on, guys. It's truth. I didn't see it before I stepped. But the moment I got out here and it's like, whoa, now I've got, I see, I got to go beyond that. Okay, well, that's one thing. But I know that this is true. Because I'm walking in it right this minute. I'm walking in things that I stepped out on before. You know what that makes me? Humble. Now I'm not the most humble person on the face of the planet. So I'm not going to say that. But I, I can say that Moses knew that was the truth. Because there was no other person that God was talking to. Think about that for a minute. God, he didn't say that because he was haughty. He said that because there was nobody else that God was speaking to except for him. So the only word that was coming from God was going to Moses. And Moses was like, I'm the most humble dude that's out here because no one else is talking to, to me. We're going to get into the will next week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a pen right in that. But what I want you to understand is, is that your humility is based upon a couple of things. Being in, being in Jesus, you've been accepted into the family. Your last name's been turned into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know it sounds like a long title, but you'll get used to it after a while. The name tag seems to get bigger and bigger. But you know what's going to happen is one day... If you're sitting there and the Lord tells you to do something and if you'll go, yes, Lord, 
and not, wait a minute, was that God? You'll start seeing things coming faster and faster and faster and faster. And God will take you in places you've never, ever been and see people you've never seen before and talk and be a part of things. He'll make you like a king that goes out before people and you will, you will be able to speak into people's lives that you've never been able to touch before. But I think a lot of times we go, I'm just not worthy enough or I just, I'm too condemned to my own self to be able to go beyond it. And just like Romans 8.1 says is that there is now no more condemnation but we have to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. You know what? Every single day. And see, I, I will tell you this. And even in my own life, see, most people think that, that their life is very focused, myopic. But there's places in every single one of our lives that the Lord's talking to us about. Doing things that we've never done before. Being in places we've never been before that the Lord is going to continuously say, expand, expand your knowledge, expand the way that you believe. Expand who you are in Christ Jesus on the inside of you for this area. It may be for your health. It may be for your finances. It may be for your relationships and your family. See, those are a lot of different things. And I'm not going to treat them all the same. The Lord has so much more for each individual part of your life. He can change in a heartbeat. Just like that, I've seen, prayed with people, talked to them. The next day, their kids come back to them. I've got a testimony about that. That, that, was the, that made my head spin. Because within less than 24 hours... This person became, they were a parent and they wanted, they were a divorced parent and they wanted to have a relationship with their child and their child had rejected them. And you know what? The Holy Spirit went to that child, changed their heart, and they had a conversation. Now, did he have to work through some things? Absolutely. You know, it's one thing... And I use this as a, an example. If, if you're divorced and you have kids, you probably can't parent them the way that you parent them if it was two parents in the house. So the example is, is that even in your own life, you have to find the boundaries. You have to create respect between all the people that's in that party. And you have to create the opportunities for change. See, there's somebody in here that you're going through something and you don't know how to get it out of, you don't know how to change that situation. And the thing is, is that you don't know where your boundaries are at. You need to let the Holy Spirit take the opportunities to show you how to attack that situation. God is really good at putting a game plan together. We just have to be willing to play the game. So I'm going to pray for everyone. Everybody bow your head. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing 
everything that you have done in our lives to this point. And Father, forgive us for for not taking the opportunities that you have given us to expand upon the the righteousness that you've put in our lives, that, that, that banner that you've put on us to where we can boldly come and say, Dad, but I want more. Right now, I just declare right now, I'm saying to my Father, I want more. Show me more, Father. Give me more. Give me more revelation about you. Give me more revelation about the family. Give me more revelation about people that I need to reach out to. Expand my mind so that I can see all of the goodness, Father. Show me, Father, how do I get the money to do the things that you have shown me? Show me, Father, how to how to have the time to do it. Who are the players and the people that I need to be involved with? Father, give us the the opportunities to change those areas that you've been nagging us about through the Holy Spirit and that we just said, I just am not good enough. Father, give give us those opportunities. Give us the the ability to to move past ourselves and I just pray dear Lord over everybody that's hearing my voice that you are expanding them and giving them so much more opportunities and that they're going to say yes a good opportunity is an opportunity when you can say yes I just heard the Lord say An opportunity is an opportunity where you can say yes or no. An opportunity is not an opportunity if you don't have a choice. Find the opportunities to where you can say yes. Father, I just pray over everybody as they go forth this week. I pray that you're giving them the opportunities that you have for their lives. Bring people across their path that they can can just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to. Help them to be Jesus in their lives and help them to, to live out a life of being merciful to them. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.